Hi, I'm Michael Stittle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to Trendline. So Nick, Canadians could be stuck waiting for doses of a COVID-19 vaccine because two of the big contenders, Moderna and Pfizer, there's no domestic uh, production on Canadian soil. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau addressed that this week. One of the things to remember is Canada no longer has any domestic production capacity for vaccines. Um, we uh, used to have it uh, decades ago, but um, we no longer have it. Uh, countries like the United States, Germany and the UK uh, do have domestic pharmaceutical facilities, which is why um, they're obviously going to prioritize helping their citizens first. Uh Nick, we also obviously need Health Canada approval so we could get into the situation where we're seeing Americans get vaccinated, uh, the British, and, and we may still be waiting. So what, what's the political cost to this? Man, I think a lot of Canadians are going to be surprised. They're like, what? We don't make any vaccines. We have a pharmaceutical industry in Canada, but we're not producing vaccines. You know, this, this could have been a pretty big, shining, bright time for Canada's pharmaceutical industry, but... I guess not. I think a lot of Canadians are going to be surprised. And I think along with that surprise will come a number of questions. How long will it take Canada to get access to the vaccines that are being produced in other countries? What does it mean in terms of our priority on the list? Uh, what can the government feasibility deliver uh, when the production is outside of the country? And I think, uh, I think vaccines is going to be not a sleeper issue. It's going to be the issue because it's pretty easy for governments to say, wear a mask, socially distance, isolate yourself, be prudent uh, in terms of your behavior, don't go to gatherings, uh, that's easy. But when it comes to the vaccine, I now I see two potential risks. First related to supply, but the second one related to the logistics. How well prepared are we going to be? Because it's gonna be a massive logistical undertaking to vaccinate Canadians uh, next year when the, uh, when the vaccines are available. Mm -hmm. So uh, some of these questions are already being asked um, of, of elected leaders. Uh, this week, PowerPlay host Evan Solomon repeatedly asked industry minister Navdeep Baines just for, for more uh, details on, on, what, on what this means. Uh, and uh, Minister Baines, uh, you know, didn't quite give uh, a clear answer. What do our contracts actually say? Evan, I think it's important to manage expectations, which is that we need to uh, explain to Canadians that we did everything possible to pursue uh, options for international vaccine candidates. So can you tell Canadians that we will get our doses in the first batch that we paid for, or are we at the back of the line? I can assure Canadians that we are following the process, which is we pursued the vaccine candidates. Once they get approved, we will make sure they get distributed. No, no. Minister, I, 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 keep, I feel like I'm just banging my head against a wall here. We will make sure that the commitment that was made in the purchase order will be followed through on. So if we ordered these doses, Canadians will receive them subject to an approval. Uh, I think I can't be more blunt and more clear than that, Evan. Uh, I, I think some of the key words there, Nick, was uh, manage expectations. Um, what do you think of the liberal messaging on this? Well, it's, it's, I think they're probably trying to do their best considering the situation. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that there is control, but not, uh, not as much control as the government would probably want in terms of delivering these vaccines because we have to rely on companies based outside of, uh, of Canada and also on the goodwill of, uh, of other countries. Remember, it wasn't too long ago, Michael, can we, 
go to the uh, the time machine. Time machine. <laughs> I think I'm showing you the wrong way. This way. <laughs> Anyways, go back to the time machine. There was a president who decided not to let masks cross into the Canadian border. Mm. That person still happens to be president, although he's on his last days. Mm -hmm. You know, what what would stop you know the current president of the United States? Uh, and he has the power to do so to say, you know, well, Canada, you got to wait. Um, so, you know, in a, in a certain in a certain sense, the Canadian government is is hostage to the good relations that we have with a number of countries, not just the United States. Hmm. But uh, I think what the Liberals are going to have to do is manage the expectations of how are Canadians going to feel when they see citizens in other countries getting vaccinated, and we're not. And uh, what might be the political fallout? Uh, I think for a lot of Canadians, they're going to wonder about, you know, what kind of pharmaceutical industry we have, uh, what our uh, what our resilience is going to be for future pandemics. Because you know what, this is this is the first major pandemic, at least uh, in in quite a number of years. We have to we have to be resilient for a future outbreak. It's probably mm -hmm. going to cause some discussion on maybe we need some capacity. To, to produce vaccines in Canada as part of our domestic resilience to future pandemics. Uh, now, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is going back to his uh, Rideau cottage pressers. He's doing it, I think, twice a week now. Um, what, what's sort of the, the risk for him? And, you know, as these questions continue to come up over vaccines, and then how does he have to sort of maintain the, the trust and support of Canadians? Well, you know, those uh, those Rideau College pressers really helped uh, the Prime Minister uh, ramp up and strengthen his brand at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of the pandemic in uh, March, April, May, June. And we saw the little liberal numbers go up. At that time, there was a significant appetite to hear about what was going on. Everything was new. We wanted to know that uh, governments were all on the same page, provincial and federal working together in order to fight the pandemic. Uh, but one of the things that I think the, the liberals have to watch out for is that if, if they decide to re-embark on this, on this strategy to have uh, daily pressers, they have to say something new mm. and relevant. And, uh, and we have to realize that when the prime minister has any kind of press conference, not only is it a platform for the prime minister to get his message out, it's also a platform for journalists to ask tough questions. And this is why the vaccinations and our preparation and planning for the vaccinations, the distribution of vaccinations, uh, will probably be what Canadians want to hear about. So I guess maybe the, the one observation is no one should put themselves in a position where they want to be out there without having something to, new to say and having uh, and talking about the issues that Canadians want to hear about. So uh, if we hear the same things that we heard back in March, April, May on working together and social distancing and masks, I'm not sure how much value there is in there in that. Mm. However, if uh, if the Prime Minister uses this as a platform to update Canadians on, I'll call it, man, if March was the first war, first war why don't we call it the second war, which is going to include vaccines, mm -hmm. that would probably have uh, more value for average Canadians, because that's what they're going to want to hear about. What does this mean to me? When will the next vaccine that I want and need for myself or a loved one be available? And how is that going to work? Now, in, 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 the, in, in the first round of, of these Rideau Cottage pressers, we saw from your ballot tracking, uh, Nick, that the, the, the Liberals, you know, enjoyed some increased support uh, from Canadians uh, that, who, who appreciated this. Um, what, what is the ballot tracking at now? Well, they did uh, ramp up support. 
Hmm. And then that was effectively erased with the WE controversy, right. which uh, was a, a massive, uh, you know, they took a 10 to 12 point advantage and, uh, and basically that went out the window because that, that happened at the same time that Aaron O'Toole was uh, fighting for the leadership, ended up winning the leadership, and then they, we had a, basically a statistical tie. Uh, hmm. Fast forward to the latest ballot numbers, and uh, we have, uh, when we look at that trend line, you know, check out the trend line, Michael. When you hmm. look at the trend line, both the Liberals and the Conservatives are going down. They're both down about three points. We have the Liberals at around 36. The Conservatives, and this should be very troublesome for the Conservatives, they've gone from being statistically tied with the Liberals to now at 27% nationally. The NDP are up at 20%. Green Party in the double digits. We haven't seen that in a while at wow. 10%. So what are we seeing? The two, two front-running parties, Liberals and the Conservatives, trending down. Liberals still have a comfortable advantage. And I'll say the, the other two opposition parties, the New Democrats and the Greens, looks like they've got a little bit of wind in their sails. Wow. Uh, we've seen a bit of infighting. Well, not I don't know if infighting may be too strong a word in in uh, in the Conservative uh, Party. Uh, MP Deputy Leader MP uh, Candace Bergen was sort of had a difference of opinion to Aaron O'Toole on the whole Andrew Shear uh, hiring scandal, where it it emerged that he had hired his sister-in-law to work in his constituency office, and this happened after a Liberal MP was kicked out of caucus for hiring her sibling. Um, uh, Bergen basically said she didn't think it was that big a deal. Um, so how, how unusual is this sort of, you know, open disagreement with a, especially with a new party leader? Well, usually, uh, you know, Aaron O'Toole came out definitively when uh, he found out about uh, the, the controversy related to Andrew Shear and the hiring practices uh, under his, uh, under his leadership. So Aaron O'Toole came out pretty black and white saying, Hey, mm. that doesn't pass, uh, doesn't pass his ethical standard and that's not going to happen. There's not a place. And then we had the, uh, uh, why don't we call it, it the fit official or unofficial clarification from Candace Bergen? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that what's interesting, the Liberals and the Conservatives had a similar controversy at the same time in terms of the inappropriate behavior of MPs. Maybe, Michael, when we look at that trend line that we just talked about a second ago, where both the Liberal and the Conservatives mm-hmm. numbers have been on the decline, that for Canadians, they hear this and they like go, oh man, again? <laughs> and uh, it feeds the narrative of, you know, the mainstream mm-hmm. parties, uh, you know, and, and members of parliament, not serving Canadians, serving themselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe that's why, you know, the, uh, the numbers for the NDP and the Green Party are up, not because of anything brilliant that either one of those parties have done, but just because of the shenanigans of... Uh, of a liberal member of parliament and also a conservative member of parliament, the leader, the former leader, uh, running into this controversy. And, you know, I think for, for Aaron O'Toole, you know, this is not of his making, but, uh, you know, it can't be good for the conservative brand to have a former leader of the party uh, engage in that type of uh, hiring, which, you know, I, I think my, my understanding is that the rules technically were not broken. Correct. However, the spirit that mm-hmm. people would expect and the ethical standard that people would hope that MPs have has certainly taken a black eye. Hmm. Uh, now, Candace Bergen also had some criticism for uh, Manitoba uh, progressive 
conservative, uh, Brian Pallister, for his handling of restrictions in Manitoba. Manitoba, we've seen COVID-19 cases absolutely surge recently. Their infection rate has, has become quite high. Uh, and, and she sort of criticized uh, his lockdown measures, and he uh, publicly responded to that. The measures we've taken are, uh, are stringent. They are the most stringent in the country. But they are absolutely essential and necessary to protect lives here. And so we'll stay focused on uh, battling COVID. And uh, I would not want anyone uh, to misunderstand uh, my sincere affection and respect for Candace Bergen. But I am the premier of a province that has the highest positivity for COVID, and we're going to stop that from continuing. Uh, Nick, there's this there's this pressure uh, within provinces for lockdowns, uh, you know, Im impacting small businesses, the economy. We continue to see this. Um, are are voters sort of turning against uh, their provincial leaders now, or or, or is it sort of still uh, support? Is the honeymoon over? You mean yes, <laughs> COVID. Honeymoon. That sounds so sad. Anyways, COVID. Mm. You know, we uh, you know we know when we track the national issue of concern. You know, we there's definitely that that second uh, that second spike of concern is at around 37 percent as an unprompted issue and is about 25 points or thereabouts higher than uh, either healthcare or jobs in the economy or the environment. Um, but you know, I think premiers have to be careful. Uh, you know, I think there was uh, pretty clear that Canadians were generally satisfied with most premiers and the federal government at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, they put a lot of uh, confidence that everyone would work together and we seem and did do better than a, a number of other countries. However, what we have to watch out for is what I'll call the grinding effect that, you know, as Canadians day in, day out, have to deal with the pandemic, day in, day out, have uncertainty in terms of what businesses might be open, what businesses might be closed, can I visit my parents that might be in an old age home or not? Will mm -hmm. my kids go to school or will I have to take them out of school? That this uncertainty uh, leads to a certain level of frustration uh, with, uh, with provincial governments where Canadians become a little more demanding in terms of having stability and having a plan. And you know, my, my experience, at least from a polling perspective is that uh, that's all Canadians want in their lives is certainty. They wanna wake up in the morning, know that they can work and make a living, that their kids can go to school and that, uh, and that there's a certain level of stability. But this, the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has created instability hmm. and uncertainty. And I think it's creating a certain level of anxiety. So I think, and, and, I, and I think the risk is gonna be the vaccines. We may find out that some premiers might be a little more harshly judged than others, depending on the vaccine strategy for their province, whether uh, it makes sense, how well or not well organized it might be, and how they can get vaccines to the right people at the right time, as soon as humanly feasible. Mm. It looks like Ontario Premier Doug Ford is might be ahead in that. He's you know he's hired uh, retired or former Chief of Staff Rick Hillier, General Rick Hillier, in that uh, which is which is quite good. Um, uh, Nick, how do Canadians feel about uh, the economy? I mean, we we do know that there that there is a likely vaccine that that eventually we'll get. Is that sort of improving our optimism about how the economy might be might be going? No, actually, it hasn't improved uh, optimism at all. You know, there was a, a recovering consumer confidence. We measure consumer confidence from Bloomberg News every week. There was a recovery after, I'll call it the uh, cliff drop in, uh, in March. 
but you know when you look at the when you look at the Bloomberg Nanos trend lines, you know the uh, the one trend line where you can see uh, had a significantly dramatic drop has recovered, but it's been flatlined. So right now, what we're seeing in terms of the forward view that it's actually quite neutral. That it's it's kind of like we're idling. We're not moving forward. We're not moving backward. Even if we put our foot on the accelerator, nothing is happening. I think Canadians, many Canadians, when they're thinking about the economy, they're holding their breath. They're waiting for this vaccine. They don't know when it's going to show up. They don't know when we'll have access to it. They don't know how, you know, when it'll it effectively change things. And uh, as a result, people are very tentative when it comes to the future strength of the Canadian economy. And, uh, you know, in one of the studies that we did, you know, there's a significant proportion of Canadians that believe that we won't get back to normal, whatever that normal might be, not in 2021, in 2022, that we might spend all of 2021 getting the pandemic under control through vaccinations. And it won't be until 2022 that we have some semblance of what economic certainty that is similar to 2019. Um. That's it's sort of a, a depressing way to end the show, Nick. But it's that kind of a two steps back. Right? Yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, wow. So, do you do you have any uh, any big takeaway or prediction? Hope maybe something optimistic. If you know something optimistic. Well, there is a vac- <laughs> There are vaccines, and there will be True. a number of vaccines. Um, and you know, I, I if we want to be optimistic, I think what we need is the prime minister to engage in. In with other heads of state, other leaders of other countries that we will rely on to get the vaccine from. Mm-hmm. We need good relationships with countries like France, the United Kingdom, the United States, Germany, India, you know, China, all these places that are producing uh, producing vaccinations. So we'll need it. We'll need. How about this for a prediction? We will need an international charm offensive, just <laughs> to make sure that we get what we are promised on the vaccination front in a timely manner in order for us to distribute the vaccination to turn things around in Canada. Uh, Nick, as always, thanks very much. Thank you. And where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nick, N-I-K, Nanos, or you can go get all those stats at www.nanos.co. And I'm also on Twitter at Michael Siddle, and you can find more about the news stories that we've discussed today on ctvnews.ca. Thanks for listening.